in this episode the there is a whole uh, thinking which is basically shifting in the world of endodontics because as i always say this in my lecture that endo is already very complicated you know probably i feel uh, it's one of the toughest procedure to work so let's not make that thing even more complicated so just try and keep everything as simple as possible so i i believe not using too many instruments I I start immediately with the uh, remus. So when you do the initial pre-flaring with the orifice opener, straight away you start with the remus. Uh, six and eight number uh, very rarely. I think uh, uh, most of the times it is not required. Only unless until I am working on a calcified canal cases. Many of us must have seen this. Uh, to be very honest, that many times it happens that when you are using especially those metapex oil-based calcium hydroxides. they are uh, they tend to go periapically because you cannot control most of them their flow this is episode 1 of season 7 that is the season of endodontics on the 32 minute podcast with dr sanil natekar dr sanil natekar pursued mds in kl university belgaum he also completed his post graduate diploma in hospital and healthcare management from symbiosis university He is an active participant in various national and international conferences and events. He has many achievements to his name like he won many awards for best endodontic case at various platforms. He is the study group leader for Dentinal Tubules UK. He has conducted presentations and workshops at various IDA events and conferences in India and abroad. He has conducted a presentation on endodontics simplified in China in 2017, conducted workshop in Muscat Oman In 2018, conducted workshop on 3D obturation in Mumbai. He also conducts a program called Endodontics Redefined every two months in Goa, completely under magnification. Personally, I think I've seen some of the best endodontic cases treated by Dr. Sunil Natekar. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sunil. It's such a pleasure to have you on the 32 Minute Podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Mayur. Absolutely pleasure. Right, so you just started off something new. It's called as a rapid fire round. I'll be asking you quick questions, and you have to answer them without giving a thought. Sure. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Favorite food. Favorite food, uh, Chinese. Anyway, time. Awesome. Favorite eating place. Uh, probably any place which is on the beach of Goa. Awesome. Favorite color. Black. Special number. Number three. One person you look up to. My dad, without a doubt. Okay, awesome. One thing that you love to do daily that you are looking forward to do every day. <laughs> I think probably everyone knows. Probably the scouting is the only thing which I keep thinking every day. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Your favorite clinical procedure? Uh I have now shifted to uh, exclusive endo practice, so probably that's the thing which I've been doing all day long. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's always about the endodontics. Early riser or night owl? Uh night owl more of a Nice wine or scotch. <laughs> you would be surprised to know because I'm staying in Goa, but I'm a non-alcoholic. <laughs> awesome. Favorite textbook? Cohen. Uh, awesome. Favorite podcast? Uh, so far, uh, I think I've heard uh, Dr. Kumar Swami. I've heard Dr. Shainvi. I think uh, Dr. Shainvi's was even great. Amazing! Amazing. Uh, so let's just jump right into the topic, uh, so that our listeners can learn a lot from our talk today. 
Okay. Sure. I've seen a lot of awesome cases by you, Dr. Sunil. What What do you think is the main goal of scouting for you? See, it's very uh, hard to describe this way, but I would put it uh, uh, in this format that uh, the, there is a whole uh, thinking which is basically shifting in the world of endodontics. That what we were doing for last uh, mm-hmm. so many years that we were uh, basically doing a procedure. A root canal therapy which was mainly concerned about your main canal system so we were only thinking about the primary canals which are present and that's what we've been uh, told and we've been taught in our dental schools that if you treat uh, the main canal you probably can expect a good success rate but over the period of time i feel uh, the things are changing we are now realizing that uh, root canal is not just a single canal which we've been treating it's a whole lot of system there's a whole lot of anatomy which is hidden uh, inside every tooth so uh, the main reason why i prefer to most of the time scout many anatomies and uh, the main reason is that we need to consider every part of the canal system as an integral part of the root canal so when we understand that probably scouting makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. So as uh, Dr. Schilder said a long back that uh, every portal and every foramen that is important and it's not just about a single canal. So that's something which uh, is I always believe in and that's what I've been following. Awesome. So which technique do you follow for uh, relatively simpler cases? Uh, for if you're asking specifically for the scouting the lateral anatomies then I would prefer uh, to use uh, heat treated files. uh stainless steel files heat treated any any uh, anything which you can use the whole idea is that you need stiff files for the purpose of those lateral scoutings and uh, you cannot use your nitai hand files uh, which are comparatively flexible so if you can use a proper technique i'll I can explain you uh, what motion is basically required in the scouting but preferably when you selecting a tool for the scouting you need stiff uh, stainless steel hand files preferably of a wider cross section so you can easily bend them and they maintain their shape so that's something which is useful right uh, you mentioned about motion so what motions do you prefer to use uh, uh see the when 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 it comes to uh, scouting those lateral anatomies what i prefer is to uh, pre curve your stainless steel hand files first and uh, if you have to first make sure that you block the main canal so for example if you are treating a lower premolar and if there is any lateral anatomy which is possible which you have diagnosed from your x-rays your preoperative x-rays and you are uh, probably looking to locate those lateral anatomies then you have to precurve your hand file first and then a small watch wind motion after blocking the main canal probably will direct you in that lateral canal and once you get that catch in that lateral canal probably after that you can flare that with a little bit amount of short amplitude strokes using the same hand file you can shift to a non cutting tip uh, stainless steel hand file so that's how you slightly flare it up so the principles remain same how you treat your main canal same way what you are doing in the lateral scouting the only difference is you have to be little cautious and you have to be little patient while locating those lateral canals because unlike main canals obviously it's a little time consuming and little patient work so all that needs for the scouting is little bit amount of patience that's it right you mentioned about blocking the main canal so how do you go about blocking that 
you can just block with the file just place your file in the place so suppose if you have uh, negotiated the main canal with probably number 15 file so just place your number 15 file so that the main canal is blocked so that your accessory file which you are using won't go again and again in the main canal so it will automatically direct in that lateral direction where you are expecting awesome uh, so let's talk about a little bit of uh, files and other instruments that you are using let's start from the top what are the files or coronal flaring instruments that you use first and then we can go step by step more apically so uh, I, I don't know I think many people who know me they know that I am a more of a, a person who believes in a simplicity I keep things as simple as possible because as I always say this in my lecture that endo is already very complicated you know probably I feel uh, it's one of the toughest procedure to work so let's not make that thing even more complicated so just try and keep everything as simple as possible so i i believe not using too many instruments for the purpose of endo so i keep things very simple a simple protocol a simple file sequence so i start with the uh, coronal flaring using any flare file any orifice opener i do not use piezo or ggs mostly i used to uh, use them previously but now i stick to only the orif orifice openers which are probably uh, there are many companies who supply orifice openers so you can use any orifice opener which is uh, having a taper around 8% i prefer to use 25 number 8% taper orifice opener and as you move down the crown down fashion so you can use any path, uh, any path file which are basically nitai path files that is something which i prefer so after your initial scouting with number 10 or number 15 file you can use those path files uh, of variable taper preferably so that they won't engage uh, the whole depth of the canal and then you shift to your uh, routine sequence such as i prefer uh, in my practice uh, neo endo system uh, but uh, today uh, the uh, the uh, there are so many companies and there are so many beautiful instruments that are coming there are so many beautiful hand uh, heat treated uh, files that are there in the market so you really don't need to think about much about changing your sequence constantly and shifting to something else but make sure that when you're treating any case the you need to give some importance to the file system that you're using especially in the cross section and the metallurgy that is something which i always tell people you know you understand the metallurgy of the instruments so keep things simple but understand what canal is that's why reading your preoperative x-ray reading the cbct data is something which is very important so you select your tool according to your case that is very important so once you do that probably you would be able to negotiate any possible system right but you always start off with a stainless steel k file first at least for the initial there's a slight catch i uh, prefer uh, reamers more especially if it's a curved canal and i've started using that technique uh, recently uh, around maybe year or two uh, and i found it really good because uh, when you use reamer because they are absolutely dead soft so when you place them in the canal they immediately take the shape of your canal so as soon as you take out and you can see what curvature the reamer has so you understand what difficulty you are going to face today so that is something which is important so in the curved canal i prefer to start with reamers but otherwise in most of the cases i prefer to stick to this protocol initially your stainless steel hand file after that your uh, nitai path files then probably you can use in between your nitai k files and then you shift to any heat treated controlled memory nitai file so you can use any system which is possible uh, and you are comfortable with so after which step do you prefer to use the reamers in curved cases i i, I start immediately with uh, reamers so when you do the initial pre flaring with the orifice opener straight away you start with the reamers okay. 
So Remus is basically doing the same function what our K files are doing basically number 10 K file. The only difference is because they are soft they immediately take the shape of the canal and you get some idea at least some interpretation in your mind that what you are going to do. Okay. So which which Remus do you use most often? You can use any. I think money money company is something which is uh, really good. So I think for hand files I stick to money files or Cybron Endo. So I think both of them are excellent. So if you just stick to files, I think for the hand files, I stick to that. If it's for the scouting purpose, possibly I use uh, C profiles from Oricam or I use uh, C plus file from Densply or C pilots from VDW. So either of these three files. Right. And what number of reverbs? Uh, till what number do you use your reverbs in curved cases? I think I have one protocol that I've shifted and that is I've stopped using anything above 15 with my hand. So number 10, number 15, that's it. I do not touch, I have not touched right now that number 20 or 25 file or reamer for a very long time. I really don't feel a need because as soon as you increase uh, the number, as soon as you increase the ISO, your flexibility decreases and the chances of error increases. You know, there, there's been an old uh, school of thought that most of the practitioners are following that use manual uh, files as much as possible. Just keep using them till the canal uh, becomes wide enough for your rotary instruments. But I think that is something which actually results in a lot of mistakes. So I prefer to uh, stick to number 10 and 15. That's it. Nothing about that with my hand. So the further work will be done all by the rotary instruments. Right. So apart from the dead soft feature, do you prefer reamer for any other reason? Like the cross section or something or any other reason? Uh, not really. Not really. I, I, that, that's the only reason. I uh, like them mainly because the canal interpretation. So at least I get some idea because uh, with uh, even stainless steel files, uh, if you're using K files, then I, I, I'm not very comfortable in the curved canal because I need to get because certain times it happens that the X-ray looks extremely easy on your x-ray it looks like a beautiful uh, nice curvature uh, it looks a little bit of wide canal but you never never know that sometimes the, there is a multiplanar curvature present there could be some issue when you start negotiating them so it's, it's always better to have reamer for understanding the canal curvature but apart from that i i i don't prefer for anything else so i stick to reamers only for the curved canals not for my routine cases Right, right. And after the reamers, I believe you are moving on to pathfinders. So which, which pathfinders do you prefer to use in your practice? Once uh, the reamers part is done, then and your orifice opening is done initially, now you check for the patency. For that, you can probably use any uh, stainless steel K file if you want. So check for the patency, that is very important. You check for the working length. You measure the working length, radiographic and the electronic apex locator. You can just rectify both of them. Just compare both of them. So you write down what working length you are working on. And then probably you can shift to your path files. Now for path files, I uh, prefer uh, progliders. They are excellent. Uh, but sometimes when you want to cut down the cost, sometimes I feel uh, uh, you cannot use progliders for possibly every case. I prefer uh, Neoflex uh, even path files. They are excellent. They possibly the now have the same ISO numbers as that of the progliders. So it's available in 13, 16 and 19. So you can use the, uh, those. Again, excellent tool. Uh, if you want something else, there are many uh, path files which are also available, which has got the variable taper and you can play around with. Suppose if you feel little bit about resistance, you can use intermediate sizes also. There are path files available with number 12 also, number 16. So uh, anything that you are comfortable with but I stick to mostly either pro gliders 
uh, or I can stick to the uh, new endo path files. Right. So you mentioned uh, there are a couple of cases where uh, progliders won't work. Why is that? Progliders. No, I'm not saying that way. Uh, what my uh, point is that sometimes you need to think about. See, I uh, practice uh, uh, both places. So I practice in an area which is not a huge city uh, to some extent. So some, somewhere, somewhere down the line, you need to think about the cost factor as well. So you have to think about what cost you are working in. Suppose if it's an extremely difficult case, but you're charging not that much uh, what that case deserves and uh, probably you need two or three new sets of files, then sometimes obviously you need to cut down the cost. So I personally prefer when you have a tool which is uh, equally competent, but almost at half of the cost, why not? You know, that's how uh, my uh, thinking is always. So you have to use the tools wisely. That's that's all I believe in. So it's always the technique which matters. It doesn't uh, uh, make sense to me that when you say when you you have to use the expensive tool only to get the best results. It's nothing like that. It's all about your technique. If you understand the technique, probably any any tool works in your hand. So I believe or I prefer uh, flex files more. So that's my way of working. And how often do you prefer to use six number and eight number in your practice? Uh, six and eight number uh, very rarely I think uh, uh, most of the times it is not required only unless until I'm working on a calcified canal cases uh, where it's it's really a multiplanar curvature or there is a block canal or I have uh, blocked the canal uh, pushing some debris in that side so probably it takes a little bit of time to negotiate those but I stick to uh, calcified canals and when there are ledges are present or there is a blockage present or if there is a file which is already separated by uh, someone else in that case has been referred to me then probably just to bypass that file I can start with number 6 but uh, yes number 6 is very rare uh, number 8 yes probably uh, once or twice in uh, yeah. 10 cases probably it's required. Mm -hmm. That's good. And what is your opinion on the hand pieces where we can put the K files, the hand files? Gyrating hand pieces is a great option, I feel. But again, uh, as I said, uh, you need to understand uh, uh, the technique to use gyrating hand pieces because it's not a, a very easy thing, I would say, to use. Uh, you know, how you see it in the videos that uh, you have just place the K files on the hand pieces and then uh, it's 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 it uh, gyrating hand pieces and set the gyrating angle to whatever 30 30 or 90 90 whatever the manufacturer is so it, it doesn't work that way i think you need a lot of practice uh, for that purpose so it is good but i think stick to uh, particular cases i won't prefer to use gyrating hand piece in all my cases so only if it's a calcified case or only if it's a curved canal case where my only hand files are going, my rotary files are not going. You know, sometimes you feel that my rotary files are getting stuck at a particular point. But my hand files are easily going and then you're confused what exactly happening. I'm going very easily with my pre-curved hand file but my rotary files are not going there. So those are the cases where you can probably use the guiding hand piece and just flare that particular portion. Just negotiate that curvature with the hand file to probably 20 number. So once you get a smooth glide path, then you can shift to rotary files and they will follow. So stick to cases. So selection of cases uh, is very important. Curved canal, calcified canal. I think that is something where you can use guiding hand piece. Great tool, but you need good amount of practice for that. Right. And I believe they do a watch winding motion as well. Yeah. Uh, watch finding it's basically gyrating hand piece is nothing but what you do with your hand 
So the same watch winding motion is replicated by the handpiece. Yeah. So your hand fatigue basically reduces. That's that's the only purpose. So what you do in watch winding 30 degree clockwise, 30 degree anti-clockwise, the same work is done by handpiece. So basically it, it, it takes out a lot of uh, 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 pressure and the hand fatigue from you. But as I told you, it's easy when you have a file in your hand to understand what you're doing there, right? But then the handpiece which is working for you because you lose a lot of tactile. So your file file uh, file might break exactly. while doing that exactly. So you need a file because file immediately you understand my file is getting stuck. My file is feeling the resistance. It is getting engaged in the dentine. But with handpiece you don't understand that. So chances of fracture are very high. So I, I feel little uh, worried and <laughs> that uh, many uh, new practitioners immediately start using guiding handpieces. I think you need to give some time. You know all these things will automatically follow. But stick to simple things initially and then probably you can advance further right so i i believe that you're not a big fan of these hand pieces but i wanted to take one tip from you how apically should a person go with these hand pieces i feel the only work these uh, hand pieces have suppose if you have a ledge at a particular point if you have a, a sharp curvature at a particular point then only this file should work in that 5mm or 3mm or 4mm zone. So your only function I feel of this handpiece is just to negotiate that one bend or that curvature. So you make sure that you make or you prepare a smooth glide path in that region. Once that is negotiated, I don't think so there is anything to do with those guiding handpiece. So they should be only used where you feel resistance, where you feel that curvature is there. So once that is done, the rest of the thing you can follow with your normal rotary files. So I think stick to only that with guy rating. Right. So you don't have to go up by with these hand pieces. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there are there are there are practitioners who are preparing uh, the whole canal system with the guy rating handpiece. And I respect that. But in my practice, uh, they are only limited to just managing those uh, difficult areas, I would say. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, when you are using your uh, hand files, uh, you prefer to use EDT or any other chelating agent or chelating agent with them? Uh, I prefer to use this sequence. When I am using my initial hand files, I prefer to use uh, your viscous EDTA. That is the gel form which is present. So once my hand file work is done, my viscous EDTA I keep it aside. So that work is done for the EDTA part. Then rest of my instrumentation will be done only in presence of hypo. So there won't be any EDTA which comes in contact. And afterwards, once my initial hypo irrigation is done, I then go to liquid EDTA use just to remove all the smear layer that is formed during the instrumentation. And after that, again, my hypo sequence will follow. So only the viscous EDTA with hand files, hypo with my rotary files and in the end again aqueous EDTA. That is the liquid EDTA which I use. Right. And what do you prefer to use uh, as a chemical agent for retreatment cases? Uh, the irrigation process possibly uh, just uh, remains the same. There's, there's no change. And I think I always uh, answer this for most of the question that what difference is there for the vital, non-vital cases. For me, I think uh, the sequence or the irrigation strategy should remain same. It doesn't matter if it's a vital case or if it's a non-vital case. There are two things which are important that we all need to keep in mind. One is the amount of sodium hypochlorite that is using and second one is the duration for which you are using. 
so you need to spend at least 20 minutes to 2 hours that is the time which hypo needs uh, for the complete removal of all the tissues which are present so you need that much time so it's always important that i uh, you stick to at least uh, that much amount of time for the irrigation so you can't be in a hurry when you're doing the irrigation part so the whole procedure needs to be done at least in suppose if you are doing a single visit root canal treatment so you cannot uh, finish the treatment in 30 minutes or probably 35 minutes because it needs time it needs basically volume and time so uh, it's probably the if you are spending a lot of time with your irrigation then it will work so the strategy remains same it doesn't matter vital non-vital yes possibly i would use a little bit amount of more volume of hypochloride especially in the vital tissues also because uh, it takes a lot of time for those vital tissue to dissolve as compared to the necrotic tissues but uh, otherwise the strategy possibly remains the same in the retreatment cases i would use i prefer to use chlorhexidine two percent but only if i am doing in the multiple settings if i'm doing in a single visit root canal treatment there is no use of chlorhexidine but if i'm doing in multiple setting then possibly my last irrigant in the first setting would be my chlorhexidine two percent and i can give a calcium hydroxide dressing along with chlorhexidine and then keep wait for another 15 days or 20 days and then i can go ahead with the final obturation a lot of come a lot of questions coming up in my head actually uh, what do you use when you when you have GP in the canals, like the solution? The solvent you are saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, again, uh, I have a, a different opinion for that. I do not use solvent for most of my cases. I uh, possibly ninety five percent of cases. So I stick to uh, just using the rotary files. Uh, for removing any uh, GP points which are in uh, which are present in the canal uh, uh, while working on a retreatment cases so the only thing all you need is just a little bit amount of heat that is generated from your rotary file so what system you are using uh, you can use uh, a retreatment files for that purpose or you can use uh, 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 rotary files with a little higher RPM so make sure that the amount of heat generated that automatically melts down that GP which is present and it's very easy to remove. With solvent what happens is uh, the it, it makes the whole uh, area, it makes the whole uh, uh, the canal very clumsy. So it basically your GP keeps sticking on the walls. You must have experienced that. So it, it sticks on the wall a lot and then it's very difficult to remove that GP from the walls. So I prefer not to use a solvent and make everything uh, look a little messy. So just use your file system, ideally retreatment files. If you do not have retreatment files, you can use the files uh, such as I prefer to use Neoendo S for most of my retreatment cases because of the cross-section, they can easily uh, help in removing most of the GP points. So just increase the RPM a little bit so that uh, because of the higher RPM, it, it, it results in a heat generation and it melts down the GP to some extent and you can take it out or you can use your downpack unit for that purpose. So just use a downpack unit, the amount of heat which is generated, it automatically melts down the GP and you can use your, if you do not have rotary file, then just edge files you can use and mm. just pull the GP out. That's it. Right. And do you follow any sequence for uh, retreatment or removal of GP? Uh, I think retreatment files are good enough. They have given the sequence. So if you're using a dense ply retreatment system or if you're using a neo endo retreatment system or any 
uh, other uh, 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 any other uh, rotary system so i think they have just given the sequence we just follow it has to be n1 n2 and n3 so you can just first n1 does the coronal one third part n2 in the middle one third and n3 is the apical one third so i think as i told you earlier i think the files are so good and i'm not uh, uh saying that you have to use a particular system only but i think today that the files have become such a uh, i would say the uh, biggest uh, 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 i think possibly the best thing which has happened in endodontics and because of that i think the things have become very easy you know even a normal general practitioner can work on these cases very easily the things are way different around 10 years back uh, because there was hardly anyone who was using rotary files so there was hardly anyone who knew about all these uh, advances in the endodontics but today i think possibly because of the files your work have become so easy and manufacturers have given such a beautiful instruction that what exactly needs to be used at what stage so you are pretty much uh, absolutely uh, very comfortable working on these complex cases also Right. I'm um, coming back to the irrigants once again. You said that you don't prefer to use chlorhexidine in uh, single setting cases. Um, immaterial if it's a vital case or a non-vital case. Can you just uh, put some light in this? Chlorhexidine, uh, basically the whole, uh, uh, there are so many articles which are already published on this topic and uh, there are many, uh, I would say practitioners and many clinicians, many researchers have shown that Chlorhexidine needs time inside the canal, so it doesn't happen or does it? It doesn't uh, uh, result in any any magic which which we can expect actually with the sodium hypochlorite that you can use for a certain amount of time and it does a lot of function. It has antimicrobial property, dissolution property, and so on. But with chlorhexidine, you need time inside the canal. So if you are just using it as a normal irrigant during a single visit treatment, it is actually not doing anything. But it needs something, it has a factor, something called a substantivity. So you need a time inside the canal. So if you place a chlorhexidine or if you irrigate the canal finally with the chlorhexidine, probably the substantivity effect lasts for even from two days to two weeks. So the, the, the actually action of your chlorhexidine is still going on for next around 10 days. So you have something, you have actually uh, using them for the retreatment cases would be beneficial. Uh, because you can actually give a uh, dressing along with the calcium hydroxide and the chlorhexidine together. So it basically works, it, uh, it results in a good antimicrobial action for at least next around 10 days. And once that is done, probably after 15 days, you are good to obturate. So do not use in single visit because actually it's not doing anything. Uh, multiple sitting, surely yes. Cool. So in multiple settings, when you are saying that you are using it with calcium hydroxide, what is the sequence of uh, using chlorhexidine and then calcium hydroxide? For example, if you irrigate uh, it with chlorhexidine, let it stay or you mix it and... Uh, anything, but I prefer uh, a mixture of chlorhexidine and uh, calcium hydroxide powder. So it's just a plain, simple, traditional formula. Nothing great. You, If you do not want to do all that messy work, just mix everything on the... Uh, you know spatula and everything so you can just uh, irrigate with the chlorhexidine and give just calcium hydroxide water-based dressing so that is one way or what i do is i mix my calcium hydroxide powder the normal powder which you get in the bottle and along with that the chlorhexidine two percent just mix it properly and just put it inside the canal give a nice dressing take one x-ray make sure that everything is okay and uh, just seal it properly from the top so i think you can easily wait for another 10 days or possibly two weeks and then obturate it so any which way you are comfortable with, I prefer to mix them together. 
Right. So, do do you ensure that chlorhexidine is also going periopically, or it's just intracanal? It's fine. No, no, no. That's that's it. Only intracanal. There's there's nothing in the endo that has to reach periopically. Everything inside the canal. Right. And I believe you already mentioned water base. So I I take it for granted that you stopped the use of oil based calcium hydroxide in your practice. For cases which are huge cystic lesions, uh, huge cysts which are present with anterior teeth, and possibly you have to give a dressing for maybe around three months or four months, you already know that you are not going to get results immediately after fifteen days, and you can obturate. Yes. So when I need it for the longer duration, I stick to oil based. But in 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 uh, other cases, I think water based is good enough because it's very easy to take it out. But uh, if I'm giving a dressing for another three months, probably I have to change it after every three four months. Patient is going somewhere else; he's uh, you know leaving the country. Then probably I can give a oil based calcium hydroxide dressing. Right. Um, just a question off topic: If uh, oil based uh, or water based calcium hydroxide goes periopically, are there any cases, or have you read about any cases which have periopical uh, necrosis caused because of uh, oil based? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, result in any issue. At least what cases I have done, because you see, I think many of us must have seen this. Uh, to be very honest, that many times it happens that when you're using, especially those metapex oil-based calcium hydroxides, they are they tend to go periapically because you cannot control most of the time their flow. You know that happens, and I think uh, especially with the amount of again uh, when you put the calcium hydroxide dressing and then you put. Uh, uh possibly uh something on top when you're prop- giving the coronal dressing then uh, they might get pushed little periapically but i have not seen any issue if it's getting extruded but uh, it's always better to be safe uh, so i prefer not to intentionally push them and just keep it inside the canal so if you expect it to extrude a little bit so just keep it around 1 mm or possibly 2 mm short and then it will extend exactly till where you want so uh, don't uh, put a lot of calcium hydroxide uh, oil based in the canal because to be honest uh, to yeah. place calcium hydroxide easy but to take it out is absolutely a toughest job i would say even more than uh, retrieving a file so removing that calcium hydroxide is very difficult from the canal and you never know how much quantity is still left inside the canal despite if you can see all good in the x-ray so you might have a lot of calcium hydroxide remnants that is still sticking on the wall and obviously your the whole obturation might uh, uh, absolutely get affected because of that agree uh, coming to how you are activating your sodium hypochlorite i know that um, we know that ultrasonics is the best but uh, what do you suggest for people who do not have ultrasonics as i told you i am uh, as i told you i i still believe uh, that you need uh, in order to see the only uh, reason why i would suggest use of uh, irrigant activation is uh, when you're using edta uh, in order to remove all that smear lay you need some amount of agitation effect so that the whole that uh, bubbling effect and the whole uh, mechanical forces which will get applied the shear stresses will get applied on those walls and it will take out the uh, smear layer but uh, i prefer basically if you are doing that for uh, locating those lateral anatomies and if you are expecting your hypochlorite to flow in those lateral channels then i would still say mechanical uh, file debridement is beneficial or it is better as compared to irrigant activation 
but yes for me i think uh, i have stick to two rules uh, for the activation purpose one if it's a straight canal i do not have any curvature which is there in the canal i stick to ultrasonic activation make sure that whatever the metal tip i have with the ultrasonic activation do not touch my canal walls so it's very important so uh, you can use anything i use ultrax for that purpose and once that part is done if it's a curved canal where i want my tip to reach beyond that curvature point uh then i would prefer anything which is a uh, uh, polypropylene or any plastic tip which is required so that it i can bend that easily and goes past that beyond so that time i might have to shift from ultrasonic to airsonic or uh, sonic activation device but if the canal is straight i simply stick to ultrasonic if it's curved i do not have other option then i possibly go to something else so i like even the airsonic devices also so those are excellent aqua is the new device which is also excellent so that you can just connect your air rotor and work but apart from that as much as possible i stick to my ultrasonic activation right uh, what are your top 5 tips for listeners for severely curved canals or dilacerated canals top 5 tips okay so uh, first thing is that uh, be patient you know that is very important in uh, curvature management mm -hmm. i have seen that uh, when they plan a curved canal case i i get a lot of text from people saying that uh, so tomorrow i'm treating a curved canal case this is the x ray just tell me what sequence i need to follow so my first answer always to them is i don't know how can i uh, explain you the protocol when i have not seen the case it's not in my hand looking at the x ray i just explain them what i can but i immediately tell them that uh, you need to first of all scout the canals in the first sitting if possible if you cannot finish the complete case in those 2 hours you know it many times happen that practitioners cannot uh, give so much of time for a particular case you don't they have a huge opd or possibly any reason for that so if you are treating such difficult cases first of all keep longer appointments you need time you need patience for these cases so first spend initial 15 20 minutes only understanding what you are planning to work on so what exactly is there in front of you so those initial 15 minutes makes a huge difference afterwards in your shaping so first thing which is required is a patience second thing i would say a good file metallurgy i am again not saying good file brand i am saying good file metallurgy because you need to understand that you need a good file system having a good metallurgy and cross section which will work in those cases so i prefer a control memory nitride files as much as possible heat treated so that they have a good cyclic fatigue resistance so i have limited stress on my files third and very important uh, factor is that uh, the file whatever you're using has to be a brand new file when you're treating those uh, curved canal cases it should not be something which are already used for two or three cases and using it for the fourth case absolutely no to that so make sure that's why it's important to take a diagnostic x ray because i have seen many people they don't even know what they're treating today so as soon as you take the working length x ray that time they understand oh this is such a severely curved tooth so i prefer to first take the diagnostic x ray and immediately when you see such difficult curvatures calcified canals just keep those files which were used for already the previous patients away and just start using the newer file system so third thing is very important always use new file brand new file for any difficult case uh fourth one i would say uh, understand the curvature i think that is important so very uh, few people know this 
that you need to first of all strategize such teeth. I think I have recently mentioned that in one of my webinar, how to strategize those curved canal uh, cases. So first spend good 15 minutes uh, reading the diagnostic x-ray. So you can plan your strategy accordingly, plan your basic, it might change afterwards when you start working on that case, but at least prepare a particular strategy that I will be using this orifice opener for this particular case. I will be negotiating canal with reamers or whatever the hand files which we have. Possibly these path files, again, I need a set of path files, keep additional set of path files in case if it gets uh, uh, anything. And then you shift to rotary files keep at least two options of rotary file sequence in place. So make sure that you might have to sometimes use intermediate sizes such as you cannot just shift from directly 10 number to 17 number. You probably have to use a 12 number or 13 number, play around with 16 number and then go to 17. So that is again important. So uh, you need to strategize and spend time on your diagnostic x-ray. And uh, I would say fifth one is a Obturation technique is equally important. I'm not stressing on the irrigation part because uh, uh, any which way in curved canal cases, you it's very difficult to take your irrigant all the way to the apex. So you need uh, in those cases a very thin needle as much as possible so that you can use 30 gauge needle or anything uh, below that. But obturation is extremely important because very people give very less importance to those cases because many times it happens that you prepared everything perfectly but when you place those GP points and you take the x-ray you understand that now they are short. Now they are not going till the working length. So use a warm vertical compaction as much as possible. In curved canal, severely curved canal, I understand it is very difficult to take your heat carriers all the way but at least that's why you need some other technique. So you can use bioceramic sealers for that purpose if you are doing a single cone obturation. You can use a squirt technique for that purpose or a carrier based system. So I, that's what I want. So when you understand the curvature, you can keep at least one or two options ready for that. But yes, in 90% of cases which I treat, I stick to warm vertical compaction. So again, a good obturation system is something very important. That is all we have time for in this episode of the 32 minute podcast. Do check out all our blogs, contests, events and other episodes on 32minute.com. If you have questions for any of the speakers interviewed on my podcast or if you are someone who has valuable information or experience that can help the listeners or if you would want me to call a particular guest on my show, please mail me on podcast at 32minute.com. I'm also open to your suggestions and ideas to make the show more helpful and exciting. Don't forget to join our Telegram group for all the updates on our activities on the 32 minute podcast. I release an episode every Sunday morning, so do subscribe to my podcast to get an alert when I release the next episode. Please remember, it takes 30 hours of hard work for a single episode on the podcast. So if you like the show, please leave a review and a rating on my podcast. This is your host, Dr. Mayur Davda, signing off for now. I'll meet you in the next episode of my podcast. Till then, keep listening, keep learning.